Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Revelations chapter number four, verse number three. I got this board out tonight. I might use it because sometimes I can get your attention back. I just might write hello on it just just to grab your attention back. Uh, (laughs) Amen. We'll see what happens. I want to read verses three and four tonight. The Bible says, and he that sat, remember this is four has a lot to do with the throne room. We've just seen the throne, one sitting on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto emerald and round about the throne were four and twenty seats that's basically 24 that's the biblical way of saying 24 (laughs) and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment and they had on their heads crowns of gold amen tonight going to try to continue with our same subject matter from last week Activity around the throne. Amen. We'll look at what the Spirit would say to us tonight. Everybody say, God bless the teaching of the Word. Amen. You may be seated tonight. The lovely name of the Lord. I call this activity around the throne because if you read chapter 4, you see a lot of stuff and it all is centered around the throne. Whenever you look at some of the wording, if you were just to kind of go through the first chapter, For one thing, we understand that there is a throne in verse 2, and there's one that's on the throne. Uh, We read in verse number 3 about uh, the rainbow that's round about the throne. Uh, We read about then the 24 elders and their seats that are round about the throne in verse number 4. Verse number 5, you read about something happening out of the throne. In verse number 6, there's something taking place before the throne. So there is a lot of of activity that's going on around about the throne. But the Bible says in verse number 3 that the description of this one that sat upon the throne, it gives a description like this. It was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. Now, again, we're talking about the book of Revelation. Uh, John here is speaking about what he's seen in his vision of heaven. And so we can only uh, tell you what John tells us. We can only tell you what the Scripture has relayed to us and nothing more and nothing less. So whenever we talk about uh, this appearance of the one that sat up on the throne like a jasper or sardine stone, uh, there is much speculation, you could say, on what this appearance as a jasper and a sardine stone could represent or what it may mean. Amen. In, In each case, it is purely to a certain degree Assumption of what that jasper or sardine stone could mean. Amen. However, whenever we think about a jasper stone, and, and a lot of times what we relay off of whenever we read the word of the Lord is we relay off of uh, things in our world that we can relate to. And so whenever we think of a jasper stone in today's world, uh, it is quite different than what the jasper stone was in Scripture. All right, because a jasper stone today they say is restricted to some type of opaque 
quartz. It could be blue, it could be yellow, it could, but it, 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 you can't see through it. It's not translucent, it's not transparent. It is opaque. However, that was not the case according to Scripture. And this is what I'm giving you. According to Scripture, that was not the case with the Jasper Stone of Scripture. The Bible plainly says, allowing Scripture to interpret Scripture, in Revelations 21.11, in speaking uh, uh, about this new city of Jerusalem, it describes it even like a jasper stone, with a clarification here, clear as crystal. Clear as crystal. So in the Bible, uh, a jasper stone was not opaque as we would consider it today, but evidently that of that new Jerusalem that will come down, the jasper stone is, is, is transparent or at least translucent. It's as crystal. And so we have, we have the semblance there. Now, if you'll remember in our first lesson, it's not been that long ago, but in our first lesson we talked about how Jesus uh, was described in the first chapter of the book of Revelation, namely between verses 13 and 17, and whenever it described him, it described him, you may remember, as a high priest, it would seem, in the midst of the candlesticks or attending to the candlesticks. But if you remember, there was one element that seemed to be a little different than that of a priest. And that was that he was girt about uh, uh, his paps or his chest area uh, rather than down here around his waist. Typically, usually a priest was girt with his girdle around about his waist but in the first chapter, he's seen this one girt around uh, his chest, which was uh, indication of not a priest, but of a king. And we talked about how there was a changing of the guard that was going on. Uh, he was functioning as a priest, but he was about ready to become king in, in this context of the Scripture. Well, what we see here in Revelation chapter number 4, John sees one sitting on the throne, and whenever you talk about somebody that is uh, taking up residence on the throne, mostly our minds go through, well, that, that's a king. Usually kings sit on thrones. So whenever we think of one sitting on the throne, we're thinking about the kingship, if you will, of the Lord Jesus Christ, more so than his priesthood. But whenever it begins to say, John says that the likeness of the appearance of the one that sat on the throne was like a jasper and a sardin stone in that, that that is the case, that his likeness was as those two stones, in that John could still be testifying about this person sitting on the throne that was more than likely a king, uh, was also testifying to the fact of his high priestly role as well that Jesus served in. On the breastplate of the priest, and here's where your blessing is, you go back to Old Testament, you get to learn the Old Testament when you study the book of Revelation. In the Old Testament times, on the breastplate of the high priest were 12 stones that were upon his breastplate, uh, each of them representing one of the tribes of Israel. And so whenever the high priest went in before God, he re represented all the 12 tribes of Israel before God upon the breastplate that was upon uh, his chest whenever he performed his priestly duties. Well, among the stones that are on the breastplate of the high priest, one of them was a jasper stone and one of them was a sardine stone. Now, if you just bear with me, everybody loves pictures. This is Pictionary tonight. So upon the breastplate, okay, there were three, there's, there's three rows or four rows rather of three that was upon the breastplate of the high priest. Two of these stones upon this breastplate is the jasper and the, the stone that is sardine. 
As a matter of fact, the jasper and the sardon stone were the last and the first of the 12 stones that was upon the breastplate. If we can go to the Scripture tonight, because I love to use Scripture to back up what we're saying. I think that's absolutely critical. Exodus chapter 28 and verse number 15 states these words, speaking of this breastplate, and thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work. And I think it's important to know he said breastplate of judgment because what we're dealing with even here now in the book of Revelation is not so much the grace of the Lord as we are the judgment of the Lord. Upon the breastplate of judgment with cunning work, after the work of the ephod, thou shalt make it of gold, of blue, of purple, of scarlet, of fine twine linen, that shalt thou make it. And scriptures are there for you on the screen. Verse number 17, skipping down. And thou shalt set in it settings of stones, even four rows of stones. The first row shall be Sardis, which is Sardin, a topaz, a carbuncle. This shall be the first row. So the first row, and this is just thinking outside the box here. Whenever we think of the first row, and it mentions the first stone to be the the Sardis or the Sardin stone, which stone do you think that is? This one right here, right? Uh Uh-huh, because that's us. Now, I'm just, this, I don't know for sure. Scripture don't tell me, but I do know that they were Hebrews, and Hebrew was written from right to left rather than left to right. So it's a good proximity that this is probably first for the Hebrews. Uh, that's, just, that's just a total guesstimation, okay? But if just like you thought that, because your language goes like that, it's quite possible that that was for them because their language went like that. All right, so this was, this was the, Sardis, the Sardis stone right, right here, and I'm probably going to mess that up. The Sardis stone, it says. And then it goes on and tells us in verse number 20, and the fourth row, all the way down here, shall be the row of a barrel, a, a, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold in their enclosings. Again, if I go through the same type of thing, I'm thinking this then is probably the jasper stone if I'm going left to right. All right, so... The stones, verse number 21, shall be with the names of the children of Israel, 12 according to their names, like the engravings of a signet. Every one with his name shall be according to the 12 tribes. So, uh, you know, there's some people, they're trying to derive some meaning out of this, this jasper stone and this sardis stone, and each stone was attributed to a tribe. However, I don't have no definitive guidance in Scripture which stone went with which tribe, all right? Now, there's a lot of people that speculate who went with what, but that's purely speculation. I don't have no hard, fast evidence which one was Judah, which one was Levi, which one was so and so forth. I don't have no guidance at all which represented each tribe. But what I do know, if the Jews seen the Sardis as the first stone and and the Jasper as the last stone, uh uh-huh, they seen that as the first stone, as the last stone. If they had any knowledge concerning the breastplate, they knew that was the first stone and the last stone. Then every Jew could recognize that the Sardis and the Jasper were the first and last. And I don't think it's coincidentally that whenever John then sees the appearance of the one that sat upon the throne, his appearance was like unto a Jasper stone and a Sardis stone. Bring him back to mind, that's the first and that's the last, or the last in the first stone on the breastplate. And his appearance was like that because we already had thus far in Scripture a description of him saying himself, I am the first and I am the last. Now, I don't know for sure that's what it means, but I think that's a pretty good uh, uh, deriving, a deduction of what it 
could perhaps mean. And so the first and last upon the one who is the first and last. And you find these stones again and again, amen, in that new Jerusalem, in the descriptions of heaven that you have in the book of Revelation, different aspects of heaven, the walls and the foundations, different ones are spoken of as jasper and some of them a sardine or a jasper stone. In Ezekiel chapter 28, if we could just go a little further and look at this, in Ezekiel 28 and verse 13, the Bible says... Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious, everybody say precious. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis or sardin, topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Now, in Ezekiel chapter number 28, the Bible is speaking about the king, or if you will, the ruler of Tyre. He's being referred to in this particular chapter. And there are some statements about him in this chapter that seem uh, inappropriate or even impossible if they were just describing a human such as an earthly king, the king of Tyre. And so with that being the case, since some of the statements about him would almost even seem impossible for a human being, amen, we got to consider the principle of double reference, which we already did in the book of Daniel. Meaning that whenever we talked about Antiochus, you remember that name? Let's not go back there, right? Antiochus and the Antichrist, there were some chapters that were spoken that could relate to a real historical figure by the name of Antiochus, but also to the figure that was yet to come, the Antichrist. Well, in Ezekiel chapter 28, whenever it's speaking of this king of Tyre, there's things that could relate to this earthly king, but there must also be some things that are taken in consideration and relating to one by the name of Lucifer, amen, that we know to be the fallen angel, call him Satan, oh, sleazebag, slewfoot, whatever you want to call him, amen, also relate to Satan. And so, please note, in verse number 13, at the very beginning, he says, Thou hast been in the Eden, the garden of God. Prior to Lucifer's fall, he was covered according to the Scripture. This is a double reference here. He was covered according to Scripture with every precious stone. And among those stones that he was covered with, two that I wish just to point out particularly, was a jasper stone and a sardis or sardin stone. These same two stones that John, whenever he's looking at the appearance of the Lord on the throne, says he has a likeness to a jasper and a sardin stone. The Bible says every precious stone, now here it is, was, this is the purpose for every precious stone. It was for a covering. Uh-huh. He says, every precious stone, here's the purpose, was for thy covering. And what I want to denote is this. It wasn't just any covering. We're not just talking about a skin of an animal here. We're not just talking about the greatest and latest in white linen. We're talking about this was a precious covering. Someone say amen. This was a precious covering. Whenever you look at the word covering there in Ezekiel, in the Hebrew language, it comes from a root word that means this, to entwine as a screen. 
By implication, to fence in, cover over, figuratively to protect, to cover oneself. And from those, I deduce very quickly that there are two basic type of uh, concepts in that word covering that is relayed to you and I. And the two concepts is this. It was a covering for protection, but it was also a covering that was for concealment. Amen? There's a covering for protection and a covering for concealment. Now just, just, just walk with me here, all right? In 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse 13, the apostle writes, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought, not yet, that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What we're studying here for the next how many weeks is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 14, As both obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Verse 15, But as he which hath called you is holy, be, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And conversation is just a fancy word to say all manner of behavior or conduct or way of life or walk. All manner of walk. He said, because it is written in verse number 16, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. These stones, the jasper and the sardine of being a part of them, they were precious and they served as a covering and they helped conceal and they helped protect, amen, Lucifer in his state before he fell this is his state before he fell a precious covering that was there for protection and that was there for concealment that I believe and present to you tonight they were indicative of the holiness of God amen Uh, and perhaps this sheds light on the multitude of scriptures in the Bible that speak about the beauty of holiness Uh uh-huh the beauty of holiness because if you were to start look at all those stones that were precious that were used for a covering amen they are according to any gymnast would tell you that there must have been some luster and some beauty associated with that but their purpose for being there was for covering their purpose for being there was for concealing And so whenever I see John seeing the one that's sitting on the throne, he has an appearance as a jasper and a sardine sardine stone. I believe John is discerning the holiness of the one that is sitting upon the throne. Because the same holiness that clothes him that sat on the throne was the holiness that did clothe Lucifer before he ever fell from heaven. Well, what, what, what sober may be? Because you'll see in the book of Revelation, even in chapter number four, that holiness is a major focus in the throne room. Amen. Holiness is a major focus in the throne room. That's the reason why later when we see the beasts around about the throne, they're crying, holy, holy, holy. Holiness is a big deal in the throne room. And it is, I want to say it like this, it's a precious covering. Amen. It's a precious, precious covering. Amen. If we go on today, the Bible says also that John saw a rainbow. He saw a rainbow. 
amen, in the, in the throne room. It was like the sight like unto an emerald. I don't know if the rainbow was mostly green unlike the rainbows that we have, but it said it was like an emerald. But there's something that very soon comes to my mind whenever I begin talking about rainbows where it was the first place we ever seen a rainbow mentioned in Scripture. It was in the book of Genesis, wasn't it? The Bible says in Genesis 8, verse number 20, and again, this is just, uh, again, just we're going back and saying we're just walking through Scripture here. Genesis 8 and verse 20, the Bible says, But Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on, on, offerings on the altar, verse 21, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor. That was pleasing to God. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore everything living as I have done. Now look at chapter 9, Genesis 9, verse 11. And he says, and I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all the flesh be cut off anymore by the waters of the flood. In other words, I'm not going to flood the world again. And he hasn't flooded the whole earth, the whole world again. Uh, he will not do it. Next time it will be by fire. Amen. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. Verse 12, and God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, rainbow, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. So we go all the, because I see rainbow now here in the throne, and I go all the way then back to Genesis where the first rainbow appeared, and it was a sign of God's promise to not again destroy the earth with a flood or with water. Even a little bit further than that, the rainbow was the sign of a covenant that was, before, that was formed between God's people, humanity if you will, and God but it was based upon an accepted sacrifice. Noah had just offered up every clean fowl, every clean beast. That was acceptable, pleasing, a sweet savor in the nostril of God. God says, I'm not going to destroy the world again with water. Amen, I'm making a covenant with them. So the promise he made to them was based upon a, an accepted sacrifice that Noah had offered unto the Lord. Well, consider, if you will, around about the throne that John sees in heaven, he says there is a rainbow. There is a bow there. It's like an emerald. If I can say again that there, and I see that, so that denotes to me a covenant, amen, between humanity and God. And can I say that for John in particular, it's the salvation, the redemption covenant based again upon the accepted sacrifice. Who was sacrificed? I tell you who. Someone upon a cruel tree was sacrificed, crown of thorns, beat on his back, the accepted sacrifice. He said, let's make a covenant, a way and a means for redemption and for salvation. Now, this is not the only time we see a rainbow in Scripture. We also see a rainbow in the book of Ezekiel, chapter number one, that other throne room experience. Ezekiel sees a rainbow. Amen. And whenever he describes being taken away, I'm going to juggle here in a moment. Whenever he describes being taken away in the spirit, he speaks of it as a whirlwind that takes him. But if we note this, he sees a rainbow in the midst of this whirlwind or in the midst of this storm. If I can just very quickly, let's just look at just three things very, very quick. Because in Genesis chapter number 9, Noah saw the rainbow after the storm. 
In Ezekiel chapter number 1, Ezekiel seen the rainbow in the midst of the whirlwind, in the midst of the storm. In Revelation chapter number 4, John sees the rainbow before the storm of judgment ever happens. But the moral of the story is this concerning the rainbow. God's promises will precede the storm, He'll be with you in the storm, and we'll be there after the storm is over. And I can't but feel like John that whenever I see Christ on his throne and I see the rainbow that there's something that he's telling me, John, I kept my promise. Amen. John, I kept my promise. Revelations 4 in verse number 4. We have around about this throne were four and twenty seats, twenty-four, twenty-four elders upon them, white raiment and crowns of gold they had upon their head. Whenever you see the word seats here, that word is translated everywhere else thrones. They were thrones that were there. And just for a point for you to go back to your Daniel homework and consider, perhaps this has thrown some light on the expression found in Daniel 7 and 9 whenever he said, I beheld till the thrones were cast down. Remember, it wasn't that thrones were destroyed, but that word cast down meant that those thrones were set in order or placed in order. They were all placed right where they needed to be because something was on the verge of happening, on the verge of taking place. Now, here is the ever-famous question. Who are the 24 elders? I'm an elder in the church. I'm one of them. Praise God. God bless your heart. Amen. Who are the 24 elders? Again, we can have some opinions and we have some options who the 24 elders are because nowhere do we have the grand thing that it says somewhere late in the book of Revelation the 24 elders are. It'd be great to have that, wouldn't it? But we don't. That's not how it is. So there are some options and opinions and I'll, I'll share a few with you and tell you why I think some of those can't be. Okay? One of the things some people say with well, the 24 elders are just another grouping of angels another group says well the 24 elders are the heads of the 12 tribes and it's the 12 apostles there's another group that says well the 24 elders are nothing more but a representative group of Israel uh, you'd say well those 12 are a representative group of the church so who are the 24 elders so let's consider the first one if you will amen perhaps it give us a little better understanding again when we look at the 24 elders chapter 4 is not the only place 24 elders are mentioned you find the 24 elders popping up again and again throughout the book of Revelation they're around the throne and they are very deeply involved with the activity that takes place here around about the throne so sometimes looking at them at different places in the book of Revelation can help our understanding maybe about who they may be or who they may not be and so when we consider that I'd like to go to Revelation chapter number 5 because in the very next chapter they are mentioned again in the book of Revelation. I'm going to read several verses of Scripture and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to uh, uh, make a list maybe of some of the things just even from Revelation chapter number 5 about these 24 elders that are seated on thrones around about the throne. Verse number 8, starting. Thank you very much. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts, and see here they are, and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps can we do this as we go along let's do it i got this where it's ready to flip let's consider the 24 here 
Let's consider here it's speaking of them now. Having every one of them harps. There's something they, they, they have harps. All right. Wonderful. You probably can't read that in the very back. Binoculars. They'll, they'll, you need just to buy a pair. Opera glasses. Something of that nature. <clears throat> the Bible says, and golden vials full of odors. It tells you what those are, which are the prayers of the saints. So they have, they have, they have containers of prayers. Okay? Everyone doing all right? Sorry about my S there. Furthermore, and they sung a new song saying thou worthy to take the book to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and this is important and hast redeemed us to God by blood let's stop right there they're, they're musical they're singing this is important redemption song alright but notice now the redemption song has redeemed us to God by the blood out of Look now, these are people of, noted, can someone read that for me? Kindred, tongue, people, nation, nation. All right, that's good. He's going to make us, he's going to make them kings, right? And priests. I hope this writing is keeping somebody's attention, if nothing else. And lastly, they're going to reign on, oops, out of, on earth with him. Who are the 24 elders? Let me go and read verse number 11. Well, let's just stop. Don't, don't show it. Take it back. So these are our observations. All right? The four beasts and the four and 20 elders fell down before him, having every one. So that all of this applies to them. All this applies to them. Now, are the 24 elders in our list on the opposite side here, are they angels? Are the 24 elders some special grouping of angels? Well, first of all, now show verse number 11. Thank you so much. Look what it continues to say. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders. And the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000, thousands of thousands. Now, this is just me. But I, I'm, again, this is just, I'm just throwing this out there. One would think that if the elders were angels, why would you have to separate them out? I understand if they're a special group, maybe, you know, you want to give special recognition. These are the elder angels. <laughs> All right? But let's consider, could angels have harps? I suppose so. Could angels have containers of prayers? I suppose so. Could angels sing a redemption song? Could they sing... He has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. No. Angels could not sing the redemption song because we know what the, the law of the Redeemer tells us. This is in the Old Testament. You can consider the book of Ruth for this. Number one, the Redeemer has to be a relative. All right? Number two has to be able, and you're going to like this, that's pay the price, has to be able to pay the price. Number three, he has to be, go get shorthand going here in a little bit, willing to pay the price. All right? Those are the laws of the, redeem, the, uh, of the Redeemer. So for humanity, the redemption of humanity involved 
the incarnation of God, or if you will, the enfleshment of God. God making himself a body coming down in flesh as Jesus Christ. In doing so, he became a relative of the human family. Uh-huh. And he died for us. And we see later he was able to pay the price because he had a body now, blood. He purchased the church, the Bible says in the New Testament Scripture, by his own blood. That was the price, blood. But greater than just being able to do it, he was willing to do it. He did it on Calvary. And so as a result of that, we can be redeemed. Amen. We are redeemed because of that. But I see then that that was never done for an angel. He never made himself in the likeness of an angel. New Testament scripture even says it was below all that in the likeness of humanity. Amen. That he, he, so he didn't do that. So he's not a relative to him. Uh, he never paid no price of blood for him and, uh, or ne- none of that took place. They were not nor necessarily need to be uh, redeemed, I guess, unless you're a fallen angel. But sorry, bub, you flubbed up and that's all there is to it. Uh, the same angels that fell whenever Satan was cast out are the same angels you see in the book of Revelation that's going to be sent into the lake of fire. There is no redemption uh, for them since then or now. And so furthermore, angels though, if you would just look at Scripture, angels are never depicted in Scripture as wearing crowns. There's nowhere in Scripture you ever see an angel that's wearing And these 24 in, in chapter number 4 are having golden crowns and they wear white raiment. They're never depicted in Scripture as wearing crowns. Again, an angel is never depicted in Scripture as sitting on a throne. These 24 are. And again, an angel throughout Scripture is never referred to as elder. Elder angel, elder angel Gabriel. An elder angel. That's not in Scripture. And so are the 24, are they, are they angels? Well, I don't think so. Are the 24 elders the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles? So somehow, somebody decided we're going to take this 24, we're going to divide it in two, and we're going to have 12, we're going to have 12 tribes, the 12 heads of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. And here's the reason, uh, this is way out there. There's the reason why some do that. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 12, the Bible speaking of that new city says, and had a wall great and high and had 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. And in verse 14 it says, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the, the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And so they say, well, the new city has the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles there they must be represented in the 24 elders that are around about the throne here in Revelation chapter number 4 alright so we got 12, 12 heads of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles now alright the tribes of Israel you're talking about Dan you're talking about Naphtali you're talking about Levi you're talking about all those tribes all of them Jewish okay you talk about the apostles Remember when he first came? Christ said when he first came, he didn't come to the Gentiles, but he came to his own people, the Jews. Whenever he chose his 12, you know what he was choosing among? He was choosing among Jewish people. Mm Mm-hmm. Could those 12 and 12 have harps? Yeah. Could they have containers of prayers? Sure. Could they sing a redemption song? Absolutely. Every kindred tongue, people, and nation. Twelve tribes, Jewish. Twelve apostles, Jewish. That's not 
every kindred tongue people nation is there one with me all right and so with that being said then whenever the 24 around there are not all jewish then i i, I tend to believe this is just me that then that's probably not the case and as a result of that then the very next one could it be a representative group of israel well israel is big time jewish when we're talking about the israelites and the nation of israel for what they were called for throughout scripture so no now what about could the 24 elders be a representative group of the church we'll go back to this side i hope no one's getting sick take your grandma mean before you come to wednesday night bible study <laughs> first of all let's consider this everybody doing okay whenever i write that takes a longer time i hope you know that i could already been done Could the 24, could this 24 be a representative group of a larger group? For that consideration, let's go to the Old Testament. You're being blessed tonight. We go to the Old Testament in 1 in Chronicles chapter 24. I'm not literally going there. But if you go to 1 first, first Chronicles chapter 24, uh, there's something going on. I'm going to erase some of this. You've all seen this. There's something going on. Whenever you read uh, chapter number 24, you're seeing uh, the sons of the high priest Aaron. There's the high priest Aaron, and he has a couple sons. One of those sons is Eleazar, and I think that's with A. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's with an E. It's right. And then there's this Ithamar, all right? He also had Nadab and Abihu, but they already offered strange fire in the presence of the Lord, and they're dead men now, so we don't even count them. All right, but here's Aaron up here. This is his sons. He's the high priest. Well, uh, Eleazar had some chief men, notably his sons, and there were 16 of them. Ithmar had some sons also, but there were only uh, eight of those chief men of that. If you add those two together, you get this nice little even number called 24. Now, what happened was in the Old Testament times around the temple, they had 24 different courses of priests. All right, that one of the sons of Eleazar and eight of Ithmar, each one of them was a chief or a head of all those 24 different groups of priests. In those 24, there were several other priests in these, but these men were the chief of them. But whenever they called to speak to the people and there was instruction that was given to all of the priests, it was given to the 24 to give to the rest. It's the way. So these 24 was a representative number of the totality of the priesthood. The priesthood was bigger than 24, but there were 24 chief of them that represented the whole. If you go to the very next, the very next chapter, chapter 25 of 1 Chronicles, we begin to read about musicians and singers in the book of the Bible. And the Bible speaks that there are three main chief musicians, if you will. One of them was Asaph. Another was Jesse, G-D-U-T-H-U-N. And then there is, we think of it today, He-Man. There were three of them. And among them, they had some people that prophesied with music, amen, whenever they were under their care. And we understand in Scripture, it states this right here in First Chronicles 25, that Asaph had four. The next one had six. He-Man, he had 14. You add those up together and you get 24. And what there was, these were 
another grade of musicians that were over than the rest of the musicians. Each one of those groups of 24 had 12 in them. We're not doing math. But what I'm saying is this, that 24 was just a representative of all of the musicians and all of the singers that were to serve in and around the temple. And so 24 here begins to be an interesting number because 24 seems to speak about a, a representative group or a subset, if you will, of a larger group. All the priests were represented in the 24 chief men that were priests. All of, even all of the messianic genealogy of Christ was represented right there in those 24 uh, priests. All the musicians, all the singers, you take 12 times 24, there's the group. And that is a representative of that much larger group. So whoever the 24 elders are, I believe that they are representing a larger group, or if you will, they are a subset of a larger group. Now, Let's consider. Is everybody doing all right? You still with me? All right. All right. What did you say, Mike Penrod? I know your voice. Bless his heart. He brought me over a personal pan blackberry cobbler today. Just remind me of one of those little pecan ones, you know, used to get this, about that size. The word elder, you see it in the Old Testament. Whenever there was structure given to Moses he was seeing all the people he was staying from morning to night all the people was coming before him his father-in-law Jethro said hey we need to put these into divisions you need to have people to answer to you all right and then all the rest of the nation can answer to those people and the big matters they can bring to you but if they're small those other people take it and they were elders they were a representative of the whole but they did some managing of things they did some communication if you will for Moses but in the New Testament when we see the word elder particularly in the epistles when we see the word elder it is nothing more elders in New Testament scripture are representatives of the church they are leaders in the church that matters were brought to things were handled and contained with the elders they were a point of communication so I believe that the 24 elders and I'm not saying they are because I don't have no direct link in scripture but I believe that they could be a representative group of the whole church could the church after being raptured have harps sure could they have some containers of the prayers absolutely could they sing the redemption song if anybody can sing it they can sing it they will be of every kindred tongue people and nation he is going to make us kings and priests. We already learned that from Revelation chapter number one. And we will, whenever he comes and sets his throne, his kingdom here on earth and destroys all our thrones, we will come back with him and reign. I'm not saying, you're saying there's only 24 people that's going to heaven. My God, it's harder than I thought. No, a represent. <laughs> the 24 is a representative group of something larger than itself a subset of something larger than itself. And then again, there's nothing that says directly they are the church. I am just making some deductions here. <sighs> Somebody's about to get all uptight over it. Amen. Praise the Lord. And the Bible says these 24 are clothed in white raiment and have crowns of gold on their heads. Amen. Whenever I look at white garments, another thing just to plug in there, I look at white garments, white garments in many instances are the garment of the saints, the clothing of the saints. If we go back when we studied the churches, look, look at it, Revelations 3, verse number 5, the church at Sardis, this is what he told them. He said, he that overcometh, speaking to the church, the same shall be clothed in white 
raiment. He told the church at Laodicea in verse number 18 of the same chapter. He's telling them, they're saying, we're rich, we're increased with goods, we have need of nothing. But he counseled them. He said, buy, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. Not only that, in Revelation chapter 19, and I'm coming toward the close. Man, I didn't know if I could do this, but I did. Revelation 19, verse number seven. The Bible says, we, you notice we're not finishing chapter four tonight. Okay. Verse number seven, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is coming. Look, his wife, the bride, had made herself ready. Verse eight, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. Now, when we look at the word crowns that was given, the word crowns, what was given to them. This was not the crowns of kings. This was not the crowns of rulers. That's a different word. But the word that was used here was the crowns of victors. Somebody that has won. Somebody that is victorious. Somebody that's overcome something. So here we have the 24 elders. They're in garments that are white that you see just through a few verses of Scripture many times is for the saints. And not only that, they are having on their heads the victors' crowns because they have won. And so if you'll stand with me again, I want to just denote as you're standing that there is no direct interpretation of who these 24 elders are. Scripture does not say the 24 elders are thus and so. But from our deductions this evening, I think I can state very plainly that they are not the angels and that they are not the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles and that they are not a, a, a selection of a representative group of the Israelites. Now, there is a possibility they could be the church. They might not even be a representation of the church. But we'll find out when we get to heaven, won't we? <laughs> amen, 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 amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.